Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. All right, good morning. Offer transitions. <laughs> it's meant to be a Bible project video, an overview of the book of Jonah. And I'm going to make a joke that there's no reason for me to preach it because Bible project does such a good job. But apparently our internet is not very strong here, so we're still dealing with some of that. Uh, but good morning to everyone. My name is Matt. For those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, thankful for everyone who is here this weekend. For those of you online, we're still working out Wi-Fi kinks, so I'm hoping this is my best angle because that's what you're going to see uh, this morning during the sermon. But happy Father's Day weekend for those of you who are dads, and we have a few in the room. And if you're like me, you know that being a father is one of the highest privileges uh, that you have in life. I've got my three boys up here in the front row, and we had a talk on way here and said, Dad, I want you to be on your best behavior during the service this morning and during the setup time and then during the teardown. And they know there's donuts in the back, so they're kind of like, going like, oh, there's donuts, it's Father's Day. Uh, but also know that this can be a, a, a hard day for some people. This can be a sensitive day for some people. Maybe some of you, you and your spouse haven't been able to have children yet, so you're not a father yet. Or maybe you've lost your father. So we want to be sensitive to that as well, just recognize that, um, but that to all of those special men in our lives. Um, let me extend a warm welcome to three more interns. I see two here and one back here. And so we have five total interns this summer, and so all five of them are here now. So we are thankful that you're all here. And um, let's go ahead and give them a round of applause and just welcome them to Sojourn and the city of Portland. Uh, they are going to be entering our rhythms, uh, Sunday gatherings, participating in our gospel community, midweek prayer. Those three in particular because that's an expectation that kind of as their supervisor they have to be there. But I'm thankful that they're going to be there and hopefully they want to be as well. Uh, then they're going to be helping with our mission teams, some of our outreach efforts this summer. And uh, we, we continue to kind of instill into them that they're not on a mission trip here because that would imply that they're not on mission back home in Texas where they're all from, uh, but they're in just a different context this summer, that they're in this immersive experience. And so they, they were sent here to be in a different context on mission, and then we'll send them back here then in the summer to be back in Texas on mission as well. But get, uh, take a chance, an opportunity to get to know them. They're going to hear from me plenty. They're going to get a chance to be with Andrea, but they would all like to get to know you as well, and we're glad that you all are here with us. Uh, if you're with us in our gospel community this past Wednesday, we looked at the gospel misunderstood, and we discussed the role of our role of sharing the gospel as part of that gospel misunderstood. And what is this idea of the gospel? What does it mean? Um, some of us treat it as more of a works thing. Some of us treat it more of a grace thing. And there's this idea of sharing that as well, and it got me thinking. What are the average reasons that a Christ follower, one who claims to be a Christian, would, does not share their faith with the people in their sphere of influence? Here's a few that I jotted down. Maybe it's a hostile work environment. And you say, I know I'm to share my faith, or I want to share my faith, but you don't know my coworkers. And they're not the type of people that want to hear from me blabbering about Jesus and the gospel. Maybe it's fear of ridicule, right? That's a real thing. None of us like to be ridiculed. I mean, if I open my mouth and say that I'm a Christian, they're going to make fun of me, especially in this environment where it, does, it brings you no credibility to be a Christ follower. It brings you no credibility to be a pastor. You should see the responses I get from people. And they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a father. I'm a soccer coach. You know, and then down the line, I'm like, I'm a pastor. And then conversations over a lot of times. Uh, maybe you have uncertainty of just answering questions that might be raised against you. You know, we, we look, those of you who are with us, we look at the reason for God, uh, kind of entry-level apologetics with Tim Keller, who kind of gave us really good handles, but you might go, I'm afraid they're going to ask me something that I don't know the answer to, and I'm not sure how to respond. You know, and simply to that, I'd say, it's okay to not have the answer for everything. I think sometimes as a, as a pastor, you have that pressure, I've got to have the right answer and response, and there's things I sometimes just go, I don't, I don't know. Who I default to all times is my wife. 
because I think she has longer ranges than I do a lot of times. She's just smarter than I am. And so I'll say, hey, well, let me, let me go find out for you. Or let's, I used to work for Apple real briefly in their things. Let's go find out together. And so it's okay to say, hey, you know what? I'm not sure, but let's go study the Bible together and we'll actually find the answer out to that question. Or maybe you're just plain scared. You're just like, I'm so nervous. Like, you know, I'm in this, this environment. It's the least religious, most atheistic city in our nation. Like, I mean, that's kind of a, a hostile place, right? It's, it's not some other parts of the country. It might be a little bit easier to do that. There's a number of reasons why we don't share our faith, why we don't share the good news of the gospel. There is, however, one really good reason that every Christ follower should share their faith, why they should share the gospel regularly, consistently, eagerly, and fearlessly. Here's why. The Lord has commanded you and me to proclaim the gospel to all peoples. And so that's a really, really good reason. And what we're going to look at this morning is that reason kind of, it, it trumps all the other reasons of why you wouldn't do it. And even if it's not based on your feelings, it's not based on whether or not you want to do it or not, it's because God has commanded us to go and to do it. And so during life, we like to take the commands of God seriously. And choosing not to follow this command, like many other commands, is detrimental to your life. And it's not only to your life, it can be detrimental to your life to those around you. It can be detrimental to your faith community. You know, we're a body of believers, and so we're made of many different parts. And if, if we're, you know, and, and let's just say this morning, I heard someone walk in so their leg or foot was asleep. You know, so you're kind of like, oh, you know, you've got that tingling thing going on. So if that's how we're operating as a church body, then, man, there's, there's this stuff. And we're seeking the Lord. And the rest of us are like, oh, we're just kind of sleeping over here. It's going to be detrimental to our body as, as, a, as a church. And so this morning we're going to look at an individual. An individual you're probably very familiar with who ran from God's call to go and proclaim the gospel to a specific group of people. God gave him a specific call to go to this group of people. And he ran from this call, and it proved to be detrimental to his life and the lives of those around him. This is the story of Jonah. And this morning, we are starting a brand new series where we will go through the entire book of Jonah, verse by verse, section by section of Scripture. And we're going to see God's mercy and grace. And so Jonah's not even really the main character, even though the book is called Jonah. We're really going to look at God and how his mercy and grace operates in our lives. Now, if you've been in church for any while, and even if you're not, you're probably familiar with this story to some degree when I say the book of Jonah. And sometimes we're so familiar that we might be tempted to think, I'm just going to check out. I've got this one. I went to vacation Bible school as a kid. I remember they, you know, they taught this one. Uh, you know, there's this big whale, this big fish, and it swallows this guy and spits him out a few days later. Right? We think, kind of, I've got the story. Why are we taking the next six to eight weeks? Don't worry. It won't be seven months like the Sermon of the Man. Why are we taking six to eight weeks to go through this story? Well, you might be familiar with the circumstantial details of this story, but that isn't even the main point of the story. Scholars have debated the genre of Jonah for a long, long time. And you might be tempted to think, this is just a fable. Now, I'm not here to convince you otherwise. There's certain things that people, like, come on those things, you're not sure if you'll have an answer. People say, you know, do you think the creation was a literal seven days or six days, or was it this? And, you know, Jonah was also swallowed. I'm like, part of it, like, we can debate that, but I just don't think sometimes that really even matters, truthfully. Now, if you're not sure what I mean by that, we can talk about that later. Don't have time to go into that this morning. But I'm not here to prove, you, prove that it actually happened or not actually happened. But last week, a lobster diver was actually swallowed by a whale, at least into the mouth of a whale. He was in there for about 30 to 40 seconds, so it wasn't three days. But when I read that story and heard about it, I thought, oh my goodness, God just gave me a story, something I can point to that really happened here in our own country. So if you were ever to question, is this possible or even probable, the answer for us now in 2021 is Yes. And so be careful if you go lobster diving because you might be swallowed up by a whale. Now this morning I'm actually going to lay the groundwork for the book of Jonah for our entire series. So bear with me. Some of this might be a little more, more teach than preach. 
But I want to help us gain a contextual understanding of what it is that we're actually looking at. So I'm going to give some of the background details, and then we're just going to go into the first part of the book of Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah is a prophetic narrative, similar to Elisha and Elijah, which sets out to report an actual historical event. For that reason, I personally believe that it is true. So if you're wondering, is, you know, does he believe it's true? I actually believe that this is true, that it really happened. But think about it for a minute. Some of the other things that we believe as Christians, or at least that you should believe as a Christian. God created the heavens and the earth, regardless if it was six little days or if it was a lot longer than that. That we do believe that God created the heavens and the earth. God parting of the Red Sea, okay? Like an entire sea separated, people walked across on dry land. Jesus being born of a virgin, Jesus coming back to life after three days in the grave. So if we believe, or generally, or say that we should believe those things, then to me it's not that far-fetched to say that a guy got swallowed up by a well, spent three days in there, and got spit out. Later, Jesus himself, he treated this story as historical when he used elements of the story as analogies of other historical events. In Matthew, 10, or, sorry, Matthew 12, verses 40-41, we see that he talks about his own death and resurrection, and he likes, likens it to this. It says, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the holy, sorry, in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so we have Jonah. He's an Old Testament prophet, and he's prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II, 782-753 BC. And by the time we get to this story in the book of Jonah, he has already answered this prophetic call. He's already is preaching in Israel. We see this narrative take place in 2 Kings 14, where he preached the word of the Lord to Jeroboam, the wicked king in Israel. I'm going to read that for us, verses uh, 23 to 27. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And he reigned 41 years, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabia, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was the Gath Hefer. I'm not sure if I said that right. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But the Lord had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, so he saved him by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. So you see, it was through the preaching of Jonah that Jeroboam II fixed Israel's border that had been weakened during early conflicts with Assyria. And by Jonah 1, the prophet has come in, and he's had some ministry success with the Lord. He's been following the Lord faithfully. He's been proclaiming these prophecies. And he's walked with the Lord a good portion of his life. So when he gets this call, for those familiar with the story, it's not like he's a brand new follower of Jesus. It's not like he just said yes to Jesus and started studying scripture, and then he gets this word and thinks... Is this God? Is this not? Like, he's been following the Lord for a long, long time. And so by the time we get to this story, Jonah's at the top of his game. All right? So Jonah, for us, is, is a modern-day, someone who's tasted ministry success, right? One of the things, probably the detriment to the American church is we kind of have these rock star Christians and rock star pastors. And, you know, we all have our people that we follow. Everyone knows in the secret. I love Tim Keller. Although he's kind of like a, an old man rock star, I guess you would say. But then there's young, like, hip pastors and all these different things, right? We read their books and we listen to their blogs and their sermons their podcasts. Well, Jonah would have been that guy. Jonah would have been the guy that we would have listened to his sermons. We would have read his books. If he was in town for a conference or on a Sunday morning, we would have all skipped sojourn so we could go hear him. Right? That was meant to be a joke. Hopefully, hopefully not. That was Tim Keller I'm skipping to. You guys show up here, and I'm going to be somewhere else listening to Tim Keller. But God wasn't finished with Jonah. Just because he had hit the top 
of his, of his game, you know, for kind of what we think of in the American U.S. church, God wasn't done with him. And so God called him to one more assignment. And you think, man, okay, this guy's got everything going for him. God's going to call him. He's going to be obedient to this. So go ahead and open your Bibles or the Bible app on your phone to the book of Jonah. Now, Jonah's in the Old Testament. It's about halfway through. It's a small book. It's only four chapters, so it's easy to skip over it. So if you need to, look at the, uh, the, front, look at the front page of your Bible. It'll tell you exactly what page it's on. There's no judgment. Don't elbow or look at the person funny who does that next to you. In Jonah chapter 1, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll look at these um, verses here in just a minute. God, we come to you again. Just thank you for a morning that we can come together as your body. God, we have people visiting from out of town. We have people who are passing through, visitors, those who are just part of sojourn in general. God, I pray that this morning we can take the next few minutes just to pause our hearts, our minds. God, free our minds from distractions of the day, of the heat. God, that we can just focus in on you. And God, that we would see the initial response of your prophet Jonah. And God, maybe there's somebody in here that, that we are running from the call of God in our lives. And that this morning, God, I ask that you would be present, that you would convict hearts, draw people to follow you. God, that, that if they're running from a call in their life, that they would surrender that to you this morning. In your name, Jesus. Amen. And so we see Jonah this morning. We're going to see this person who exemplifies the grace of God time and time again. He, he experiences it. But what he's going to do is he's going to fail to want to extend that to others. I think that all of us can and probably should relate to him. And I think we're going to see that over the next several weeks where if you've experienced the grace of God, if you're in Christ, you have experienced that grace of God, but there's times that we don't want to actually extend that grace to other people in our lives. You see, Jonah's going to come in, he's going to be a rebel against God's word, which calls everyone to go and tell others about this great king, Jesus. And so the main point of our sermon this morning is that even after following Jesus, that running from God's presence and fleeing his presence is possible, but it's detrimental to our life and the lives of those around us. And so this opening verse, this opening week in this series, what we're going to see is the, kind of two plots. We're going to see the commissioning of Jonah, this call that God puts on his life. And then we're going to see the flight of Jonah as he flees from this call. And the episode records Jonah's call to prophecy to prophesy in Nineveh and his flight from that call. And so the two questions that drive the plot is, one, what will happen to the Ninevites, which we're not going to see that this week. And the second is what will happen ultimately to Jonah. And so I'm just kind of giving you the, the taste this morning. So look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. So we open this small book, and what we see here is the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, and he's given a specific call to, right? At this point, I'm thinking, you're a prophet, you're at the top of your game, like you're used to hearing the word from the Lord. But here's a specific call to go to the city of Nineveh and call out against it. Okay, so that's like probably not one of those fun calls if we think about it. You know, if it's like, hey, go to this place and declare there's a party, or here, we're giving out free donuts. Right? If you go to a college campus, you're giving out t-shirts and donuts, and they're signing up for credit cards. You're like, this is fun. You know, go out and call out against it. Like, okay, that's probably not going to be a fun thing to do. So here's a couple initial observations. God speaks as it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Okay, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And as far as we know, Jonah wasn't looking for an assignment. I think Jonah was kind of like. He's got his lazy boy at this point. He's kind of in his easy chair. People are once again buying his books. 
He's probably still writing a blog over here on the side. He's producing a podcast, and people are just eating it up. The church culture is like, we are loving this. But Jonah wasn't seeking the Lord for an assignment or praying for a people group or country. He was kind of like, I'm comfortable. I'm at home. I'm where I'm supposed to be. But God speaks and calls him out. Now, when God speaks, we should listen. And God speaks and calls him out. And God calls him to a place called Nineveh, which is both called a great city and an evil city all in one verse. Okay, so it's, it's a great, it's an influential city, but it's also known to be an evil, wicked city. Now, Nineveh sat on the east bank of the Tigris River, about 220 miles north of present-day Baghdad, and over 500 miles northeast of Israel. So Nineveh is this important, great place, which again, very influential city. And so you can even think about where we are. Like, I know Seattle's bigger than us, and we got San Francisco below us, but like, we're an influential city, especially in Oregon and the Pacific Northwest. I mean, think about it over the last year. What's going to be people who are visiting? We've been on CNN a lot. We've been on Fox News a lot, and they tell two different narratives of our city. But we are known, right? We're a great city. We're an influential city. I was just listening this morning. And, I, and this isn't the point of my sermon, but this month is Pride Month, okay? So we're not going to go into that, but we're known as a city who has a lot of celebrations towards that, right? So there's all kinds of things that we're known for as a city. We're influential across many spectrums, across many kind of facets of life. And so now on the surface, God's command to Jonah seems really simple. It says, go to Nineveh and do what you just did in Israel in the port of King Amaziah. Preach the word that God gives to you. So he would have done this before. So this isn't his first assignment. So it's not like, you know, we've got most of we have interns here, and I'm telling them things to do for the very first time, like take a public bus from one side of the city to the other, or hey, or go this and, and call this school and get this stuff up. And they're like, I've never done this before. This morning, who's done slides? And everyone's like, I've never done slides before. So it's not like he's new. He's received the word of the Lord before. He's delivered the word of the Lord before. So this isn't something new to him. The difference this time is he would be preaching to the most powerful nation in the known world. A nation who had also been an enemy and a threat to Israel for many years. He would be preaching directly to the Ninevites, called to go by himself to preach to their wickedness. So once again, it's a great influential city. So you got to imagine there's probably some good food there like we have in our city and some good stuff. But your call to go is preach against them. Call them out. And so this call was shocking in many ways. Let me tell you why. First, first it was, it was shocking because it was called a Hebrew prophet to leave Israel and go to a Gentile city. So Jonah's mission at this time was unprecedented. There had never been one like it. So my question this morning, church, are you willing, if God gives you a call, a specific call, a specific assignment, even if it's unique, even if it seems like no one in your family's ever done this, maybe nobody from your church, are you willing to say yes? Yes, it's sojourn. We like to say that we're inviting all people to take a journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus and follow him faithfully. But we also want to raise up people and send you so that you can go to different places and that you can then also invite people on this journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus and follow Jesus faithfully. And so if God gives you that call, will you respond to that call to go? Second, even more shocking, that the God of Israel would want to warn Nineveh, the capital of the Syrian Empire of impending doom. Now, just on the surface, if you're like me and you hear that and you don't know a whole lot about history, especially at this time, you're like, okay, big deal. God calls people to go out all places and declare to all people, right? Well, let me tell you a little bit about Nineveh. It's one of the cruelest and most violent empires of ancient times. The Assyrian kings often record results of their military victories, gloating of whole plains littered with corpses and of cities burned completely to the ground. Assyria's history is a gory and blood-curling history as we know it. After capturing enemies, they would often cut off their legs and one arm and leave them with one other arm so they could shake the victim's hand in mockery as they were dying a slow death. 
They pulled out prisoners' tongues. They burned adolescents alive. Okay? So now, all right, I'm seeing some of your faces. When you think Nineveh, I'm hearing the story as a kid. I'm like, okay, it's just like any other city. It's like New York. It's like, like this is Nineveh. Okay? Here's the call. And you probably start to sympathize with Jonah a little bit, right? I think they come into Jonah, we kind of judge Jonah and go, Jonah, man, come on. God called you to go somewhere. But he's called to this nation. And yet it was this nation that was the object of God's mercy and grace and the calling of Jonah. You see, what we're going to learn is it's not about Jonah at all. It's about God's calling. It's about God's heart and mercy. Right? As we hear that, think about the most wicked group of people that you can think of right now. Okay? I'm not going to name who those might be for you. I'll give you an example. Like some of us might think of extreme terrorists or ISIS or you know, these different radical groups. And we might think, man, they just all need to be destroyed and just wiped off the face of the earth. Right? But God. And so God comes in and gives Jonah this call to go to these people because it's not about Jonah. It's about God's heart. It's about God's mercy and God's grace on these people that Jonah was going, you don't deserve it. But here's the thing. He wasn't wrong. They didn't deserve it. But neither did Jonah. And neither do you and neither do I. And what does verse 3 tell us that Jonah did? Right, he obeyed the Lord and went straight down to Nineveh, right? And we saw this great revival take place and they all got on their knees and praised the Lord. Right? This is what you expect Jonah to do. No. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Now, once again, at this point, as I've hopefully set it up for you, who can blame him? Right? I'd be, I'd be wanting to flee too. Like, there's been times I'm like, ah, I don't think so, God. Sounds great calling for somebody else. Like that person I don't like who's also a Christian, like that'd be a great calling for them to go there. I'll even give them money to help get them there. But God, I don't think that's not, that's wrong, right? That's not the right place he wants to go. So it says, Jonah rose to flee Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And instead, he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now, we see that Tarshish is repeated three times in this verse to underscore that Jonah is not going to Nineveh. He is going to Tarshish, which is the complete opposite direction. Okay? Now, I'm not trying to liken my call to Portland like Jonah's called to Nineveh, but... I, I am from the southeast. I'm from North Carolina, and so God called me to go to Portland. It's kind of over here, and it'd be like me going to, like, Cuba, like South Florida, and trying to go completely opposite, just like I'm getting away from God here. Now, what was Jonah's purpose in going the complete opposite direction? Couldn't he be just going, like, down the street or maybe just stayed in his town? His purpose isn't just to get as far away as possible from Tarshish, or from, from Nineveh, rather, but his purpose is to flee the actual presence of the Lord. Now, we just worship. We just sing these great songs, right? You're welcome in this place, and we want your spirit in this place, and some of us are raising hands. Some of us are just soaking in the presence of the Lord. We want you, God. We want you. We want your presence. But what if God were to call you today to that place that you have no desire to go to? What if God today were to call you to that place with the most evil, wicked people that you can think of on the face of this earth? Would you say, you're welcome, God. You're welcome. Let's praise you. Or would you be like, uh-uh, I'm leaving. I am getting out of here. I'm going to tiptoe out this morning because I don't want anyone to know that I have this sense that God might be calling me to this place. So Jonah does the complete opposite of what God called him to do. And he understands that the only possible way to escape the obedience to the Lord's command to go to Nineveh is to actually escape the Lord altogether. And so what verse 3 shows us. That says possible, even as a follower of Jesus. Once again, we're not talking about someone who, if you don't know Jesus and you don't call yourself a Christian, like we're not talking about you this morning. Okay? We're talking about those who say, I am a Christian. We're singing about presence of the Lord coming to our lives. So it's possible to be a follower of God and say no to God. And in the case of Jonah, he finds open doors when he says no. Let me explain. 
once again, this is not, not see. I'll just pick on the American church because I'm an American. That's okay. Um, not everyone was American born here, but you're welcome. We're glad you're here. But those in the American church, we like to kind of misuse God's name and abuse God's name, right? And youth group, you see it like this. There's a guy and a girl dating, and all of a sudden, one of them changes their mind. She's with the girl. She's like, yeah, God just told me to, like, not date you anymore and focus on you. And it's like, no, just, you just don't want to be with God anymore. Just break up with him. Like, I don't think God actually gave you a specific word or call to go and do this. But we see this in more extreme opportunities. And we'll use these opportunities for God's approval. It might sound something more like this, a little more serious than a boyfriend and girlfriend in a youth group. It might sound like I was miserable in my marriage, and then I met her or him, and now I'm happy. Surely it's God's will. I was, I was, this was a horrible marriage. I'm not saying you were in a bad situation, but you just weren't getting along. You're like, well, this person over here, and they also say that they love the Lord, and well, they weren't happy with their spouse either, so we kind of met up. You know, it started with an email and a Facebook thing, and then coffee and dinner, and our spouses didn't know, but now we're married. Surely God wanted that to happen. He opened the door for me. Praise God. That was God's will. Or it must have been God's will because I found another job or another church or another fill-in-the-blank because the door opened, so it must have been God's will. Here's the thing. When you're running from God, when you're running from God's will on your life, there always seems to be a ship in the bay ready to take you to Tarshish for the right price, as was the case with Jonah. So it's possible, yes, to verbally proclaim Jesus. It's possible. Once again, Jonah was following the Lord. Follow the Lord. I'm not sure I'll get all this feedback. But at the same time, to flee, and you might take these open-door opportunities as an excuse, as a leverage, to say, well, God opened the door, so it must have been his will. Here's the thing. Jesus gives every single one of us, if you're in Christ, you and me, a similar call. It's called the Great Commission. And to run from the, the call of God, to go and to make disciples of all peoples, is also to run from the powerful presence of God, and that's what Jonah is doing. So as I was studying this week, I mean, we've all been given this call. Maybe not a specific call to go to Nineveh, or maybe not a specific call to go to Portland, but we've all been called to go and to make disciples. And so if you're a Christian then you can't be bored. You ever find yourself bored as a Christian? Like, you can't be, because there's always someone else to meet. There's always someone else to talk to. I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. That we're all called to go and make disciples. Once again, and this is what Jonah had to learn. It wasn't about Jonah's personality. It wasn't about Jonah's feelings. So you might say, you know what? I don't feel like talking to people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you always have to do it, but God's called you to go and to do this. So are you going to be a God or are you going to be how you feel? Are you going to be how your, your Enneagram or your Myers-Briggs or how you're wired? All that stuff's important and matters, but not when it comes to the obedience of calling your life from God. And we're all called and commanded to go make disciples and make disciples. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we're really slow. And I'm talking to myself here. So, man, Matt's kind of picking on us this morning. Picking on Jonah, and I'm picking on all of us because we are Jonah. But a lot of times we'll be slow to tell people about Jesus. Or maybe we don't tell people about Jesus at all. Once again, I'm kind of hesitant. I'm a pastor. That's, that's different. We just say, man, I'm, I'm going to kind of go like slow into this. I get that. There's discernment. But sometimes we'll do the very thing that Jonah did. We'll never want to open our mouth, and we'll never want to speak up, and we'll never want to share about Jesus. Yet we'll come in and sing in a place like this that we're all about his presence and want him to fill us, but we won't want to go tell others. Like, that just seems kind of weird, right? If there's something that's really impactful in your life and really important in your life, you want to open your mouth and tell other people about it, right? Anytime I get a new iPhone, I'm like, look, i got the new iPhone. Look at this camera, and it zooms and zooms and does this. I don't even know how to use it. Right, I get a new pair of sneakers. I'm like, cool, you notice anything? New sneakers, you know? Got a new haircut. I didn't tell anybody about that because it was very different. Um, but you like to point out those things. But why is it with Jesus who will say it's the most important thing in our lives? And we'll sing these songs and we'll read this scripture that we won't say anything at all. 
And when we do that, we too are rebelling against God. And if that goes unchecked for too long, you will find yourselves moving away from the presence of the Lord. Exactly what Jonah was doing. That's what Jonah wanted. And so it's possible that maybe that's what you want. That you want to move away from the presence of the Lord. I'm not, the longer I'm here, the less I'm an outsider. I'm still somewhat of an outsider. I've been here for four years. So I've heard if you've been here two or three, you're pretty much a local because people aren't really here that long and it's very transient city. But the longer I'm here, the one thing I've learned, and I've had people go, why do people move here from other parts of the country, right? There are Christians here. Amen. There are. There are Jesus followers. Amen. But I think, and I'm not saying this is prophetic because I don't think you're a prophet, but what I think in my assessment is this church in general in Portland is very apathetic. I think the church in Portland, not, not the message I'm giving this morning, but the message of, of God's call on Jonah could use this call. Church is very apathetic. We're really good at something. Some of those things are worshiping and singing and praising God. But it's very, it's just it's very apathetic of going out and actually sharing our faith with other people, of actually making disciples. And so I said, you know, when people say, hey, well, you're an outsider. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> God's called me to shake things up and disrupt things a little bit. So waking you up. We're brothers and sisters. Let's lock arms and do this together. And God doesn't call us. Now, God doesn't tell us if we're called to people we like or a comfortable place that we you know, obey this. If anything, we often see it's actually quite the opposite, and this is in the case with Jonah. That God will often come in, he'll interrupt your comfortable life, and then call you to do something. God has a way of disturbing our dreams and our comfortable lives, and when he does, is most often calling you to follow him in a new way. Once again, I'm not trying to say, look at me as an example, but we were living in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh's a great city. Raleigh's one of the best cities in the country to raise a family. It's actually a really cool city. It's a little humid, but it's a really cool place. It's close to the beach, close to the mountains, all this thing. I could have been comfortable there. In fact, I was getting comfortable there. And for whatever reason, I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> We're going to disrupt this. I want you guys to go to this place called Portland, this foreign land. So what is it in your life that God may be calling you to do? And maybe to stay right where you are. So don't mishear me. Sometimes God wants you right where you are. But other times God's going to shake you up. He's going to call you out to go to other places. And Jonah had no idea how self-absorbed he'd become. Until God disturbed his comfortable life. Because once again, he's at the top of his game. People are listening to him. He's got more subscribers to his podcast, more people buying his books. He's saying, man, I'm doing the work of the Lord here. And he'd become really comfortable in doing that. And when God interrupts your life, he breaks the idol of your life. Is your life become an idol? You know, I think once again, I'm, I'm picking up American Christianity. It's really easy to track kind of this Jesus and church thing onto it. Even in a city like Portland, even in the least religious, most atheistic city, it's still easy to kind of tack it on. You go, oh yeah, it's like a club that I'm part of. I play tennis on this day, I go to church on this day. Is that what you are doing? Because God will break the idol of your life. You see, for Jonah, life was good. Jonah didn't want to go tell a different people group about Jesus and the mercy and grace of God. Not because he didn't believe it was real. This wasn't a debate on, do I think this is real? He believed that it was real. But because he didn't want them to also experience the mercy and grace of God, which he knew they would experience. Jonah knew how evil these people were. And he thought, no. They're evil. If I go to them, God, and I declare the same message that I received, I know that you're going to have mercy on them. And in my flesh, in my humanity, I don't want you to have mercy on them. I don't want them to experience the mercy and grace of God. Now, we may not say that physically with our mouths, but every time we decide to shut up and not actually share when God gives us an opportunity, we're kind of doing the same thing. That In essence, we're saying, you don't actually deserve the mercy and grace of God. I have it. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. With my AirPods and my iPhone, my Jesus is going to stay back there and his mercy and grace, but you don't actually deserve it, so I'm not going to tell you about it. Right? Now, none of us probably would actually say that to somebody's face, but functionally, a lot of times that's how we live, it's how we operate. Now, here's the thing it's not about how you, it's not about your feelings, it's not about where you want to go. You know, I think, I know we've got a lot of young people here, and you got a college, you're like, you got those dreams, aspirations, and amen, God's going to use those. I believe that it will use those. 
But sometimes it's not about us. Sometimes it's not about our feelings. It's not about our preference or where we go. Even even like let's just localize again to the city of Portland. You know, like I, I like North and Northeast Portland, but there's other people who don't think there's other parts of the city that are cooler. I'm like, it didn't matter. I didn't come because I want to be the most hit neighborhood in the city. You know, I mean, oh, I didn't move in this neighborhood. Well, it's more really expensive. So I moved in an up-and-coming area, which is still really expensive. But it's not about that because there was a lack of need, even in this community. There's, there's a few other churches, but there wasn't a whole lot of churches doing much activity here. And so we said, how do we link arms with them? Was it the, the coolest, most hit place in the city? No, but it wasn't about that. It was about where's there a need in the city, God? And so it's not about your feelings necessarily. It's not about your preferences always. Now, God may line those things up sometimes. Amen. But don't make it based on that. This is about God. It's about God's heart for the people of our city, of our nation, of our world. Now think about a moment of the racism that you have in your life. And sometimes when you are slow to ever just mention Jesus, Right? If we're Jesus people, we should probably talk about Jesus like pretty consistently. And I'm once again, I'm preaching to myself here. But we're never slow that when it comes to something else in our lives. Like if you really want something to happen, you know, you're wanting that job, you're wanting that promotion, you're wanting that person to propose to you or start dating, you're like down on your knees, like, God, please, I need this. I'm about to graduate and need this job, I need this money, right? And you want God to come through and follow through. Or if you need a healing, physical healing, right? If you're if you've got cancer. You know, God, I'm desperate for you. I need you to show up. I need you to move into work. But we're never that way for some reason when it comes to sharing how others can find that hope in Jesus as well. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've probably already found ourselves this morning identifying with Jonah. His runaway posture is our runaway posture. Every time we sin because of that moment, our posture is telling us that we know better than God's way in a particular area of our lives. And so you are Jonah. I am Jonah. We are Jonah. And some of you might be running from a call of God in your life right now. There might be a specific call that God may have on someone's heart and mind, and it's been stirring in you, and you're running from it. Imagine collectively if we stop running from God in our lives. What could be done in the city of Portland? If we were faithfully following through, just following Jesus, keeping our eyes on him, as we are rebels. This is what, I mean, Jonah essentially was a rebel. Right? That we are rebels taking good news to other rebels in this great and wicked city. And so we are Jonah. But here's the thing. God loves Jonah. God calls Jonah and God uses rebels just like Jonah and us to reach wicked cities like Portland. So God's got a call on our life. Whether you're here for four weeks or eight weeks or you live here, God's called us here to declare and proclaim this message. And so this morning, this is how we're going to respond. We're going to respond by singing another song of praise. Perhaps some of you have been saying no this morning, though. Or you've been saying no in your life. That's been the posture of your heart in your life. It's something that God's calling you to do. And maybe this morning your, your heart has been shifted to say yes to whatever it is that God's calling you to do. For some of us, that would be salvation for the first time. For some of us, that would be saying yes to going to another place. For some of us, that might be saying yes to a job that God's put in front of us. For some of us, opening our mouth and having that conversation with the person over lunch today. For some of us, maybe our, our parents aren't followers of Jesus, and maybe it's Father's Day. And you say, you know what, Dad, I love you, but the best thing I can do for you is also to share about my Heavenly Father with you. I don't know what that is in your life, but maybe there's something for someone in a way to respond this morning. And so what I'm going to do is I'll pray for us. We'll finish our message Ben and Elena are going to come back up and sing this song of praise for us. We're going to respond in worship, but I also want to provide an opportunity. If you need someone to pray with, if you need somebody to talk to, I'll stand there in the back. 
um, kind of by the AC before you go out that other door. So if you just need someone to talk to, you need somebody to pray with you, I'll be back there. Know that you can respond in that way. Because we don't want to call people to respond. We also want to help people in that response. Remember, we want to help them in that journey of learning what it means to follow Jesus because we're all on that journey together. So let me pray for us, and then they'll come back up and lead us and worship through the song. God, we thank you for this morning. God, a day that we get to celebrate our earthly fathers, but God, a day that we get to celebrate you. God, the reality is that we are just like Jonah. Every time we fail to follow you in some area of our lives, God, when we fail to surrender to a call that you have given us to go and to make disciples of all peoples. God, where we live, where we work, where we play, our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, our family. God, maybe people in other parts of our state or our country or God around the globe. And so this morning, God, as we start this series, we want to put our yes on the table. God, we want to posture our hearts after your heart, not after Jonah's heart. God, we know that we're like Jonah, but we want to look more like you. And so, God, may we respond this morning however is appropriate in our lives. And, God, may we leave this place. And, God, each week as we go through this series, may we leave looking more like you, like Jesus, and less like Jonah. It's by your name and your power of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website sojournpdx.org.